0: Tune in. Tune in. Tune in. It's the Power of the Game. It's the Power of the Game. It's the Power of the Game podcast by
1: Golf Saudi.
0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Power of the Game podcast with myself, Robbie Greenfield. And we're delighted to be joined in this episode by a very, very special guest, a man who's been at the top of his career for the last five decades. He's a titan of his industry, he's a pioneer, he's a trailblazer in the field of tourism and hospitality, and he's also the ve- vice chairman of the Forbes Travel Guide as well. His name is Jerry Zarillo. And in 2018, Jerry was appointed the CEO by royal decree of the Daraya Gate Development Authority, one of the most important projects taking place in the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. It has a $20 billion first phase so much in terms of the history of the country is wrapped up in this project so much in terms of the cultural and entertainment aspect will be incorporated into the development and golf will play a pivotal role as well a certain mr greg norman crops up in this conversation he has a leading role to play in the Dorea gate project but let's get jerry's take on how and why the game means so much to him i started by asking him that question how did he first come to love the game of golf
1: You know, I I come from uh, a wonderful but an extremely poor family. Uh, We were an urban family in Brooklyn, New York. So really our sense of sports was uh, running out in the middle of the street, uh, you know, and playing stickball. Um, So golf in in our youth uh, was, um, especially in the American context in the 1950s and 60s, prestigious but aristocratic. Um, and then when I uh, when I got into the hotel business and started building resorts and everything, um, it was just such a great uh, way to build relationships. So while it is one of the great global sports, which I'm an advocate of, the one thing that I always loved about golf to this day, even more so now, was that it was a, a sport of good behavior, a sport of uh, rules, a sport of relationships, a sport of camaraderie and friendship and you took the time to get to know each other you took the time while you were playing this great sport to get to enjoy the day and enjoy the environment so it has so many uh levels uh from competitiveness to environmental sustainability uh sustainability relationships so i have to say it's one of my it's one of my favorite sports even though uh it's uh probably the sport that i'm the most dreadful at but uh (laughs) but but it's one that i admire the most
0: i think that's that that's the same for a lot of people jerry i think golf will will always be the winner when it comes to that but what are some of your memories of attending events and and obviously i know you you've gotten to meet so many of the great top stars of the game as well do you have any special memories of of attending international golf tournaments
1: well uh many 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 i mean you know it's uh, for me 50 years in tourism and uh Forty of those fifty uh, in the realm of golf. So you know to to go to all the great golf tournaments around the world, the different majors. But you know um, I, I've I've met the greats. You know the Ben Hogans and the Byron Nelsons and you know Gary and Arnold Palmer and Jack Nicklaus and everybody in between. To even the great golfers today, and this this field of golfers now the guys that are in their twenties and thirties. I mean, they're brilliant athletes and good guys, but I think probably one of my, my most favorite and cherished memories was the super personal relationship that we had in Dallas uh, when I was general manager of four seasons, Las Colinas, which was the home of the Byron Nelson golf classic. And we had two uh, TPC courses. We did a lot for philanthropy, a lot for children's charities But this man, Byron Nelson, one of the most famous people in the history of golf, he was so polite and genteel and thoughtful. So I learned so much from his example. And then, you know, I got to meet uh, the legendary Tiger Woods, uh, literally, uh, when he just got out of uh, college at 18, because his father was a friend of mine, Earl Woods, before Tiger. His father introduced me to Tiger. Wow. So to see to see the great trajectory um, and to see um, his dominance in the game has been wonderful to watch the ups and downs. You know, now with pop culture, the pressure that's on these young global golfers, not just as athletes, but as celebrities and the demands. I mean, it's daunting. We've seen it. And then, you know, uh, my personal uh, relationship and friendship with Michael Jordan. Uh, Michael, in addition to being uh, obviously the greatest of all time in the sport of basketball, um, you know he's very decent, very generous person. So we did many of the Michael Jordan celebrity invitational golf uh, golf tournaments in the Bahamas at Atlantis, and and to see how all the great sport figures, you know Tom Brady, all the great ones would come and support charities for Ronald McDonald's house and to benefit children. Um, I think my most cherished memory is to see how all these great uh, golfers over four or five generations now have devoted themselves to the sport, to the charity and uplifting life around them. So I would say that's probably my, my favorite memory is to generationally watch all these guys give so much back to, sport in their communities
0: obviously your career is 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 a storied one it spans 50 50 years it's uh it's an incredibly prestigious career that you've had in hospitality and tourism what what would you say are the guiding principles that you've you've kind of lived by in this job that has taken you to to the very heights of this this profession
1: yeah i'm i appreciate the thoughtfulness of, of that question And especially coming from you, uh, a young guy I admire very much. So let me just say this. It's not complicated. Um, Most people around the world now would say that probably the largest, uh, most luxurious hotel company in the world is probably Four Seasons Hotels. I'm not talking about a company that has six hotels, 12 hotels, even 18. But, you know, if you look at a company with 100 hotels that served its community, served its fellow employees, the standards of excellence all over. If you ask the wonderful founder of Four Seasons Hotels, Isidore Sharp, which is now, uh, you know, going into its 60th year, and you say, Izzy, you built the best hotel company in the world. What's what's the secret? What's the magic? He would say, it's not that complicated. And I, I, I'm an advocate of his to say that when you serve with all your heart, when you believe it is your responsibility to promote joy and festivity and happiness and you believe that you are an advocate of your community and those around you and that your obligation is to leave a place better than you found it that's the that's the thing so I think in my career 50 years a very blessed career and you know it's a great honor for me to be in the kingdom at this time with his majesty and the crown prince during this historic time great leaders like Yasser al you know who's the boss of Saudi golf and Aramco and PIF. I think my career has been blessed by the fact that I've always enjoyed serving. I've always been true to my word. I've always been confidential. I've never gossiped. I've always looked for the best in people. And that continues to be a recipe that transcends generations.
0: When did the kingdom first come on onto your radar, Jerry? Uh, obviously, what it's what is transpiring here is is extraordinary, uh, and I, I for one, having lived out in the Middle East for 15 years or so, was taken aback when I saw the developments happening at such a fast pace, and 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 the the, the speed of the change as well. It, it's been absolute a generational shift in the in the kind of cultural change as well in the kingdom. When did you first start kind of noticing what was going on here and? And obviously, can you talk about how that led you to accepting the role of, of CEO of Diria Gates uh, establishment and uh, obviously development authority?
1: Yes. Um, you know, we're very fortunate because, um, uh, you know, my generation, I'm a little bit older now in my 60s, but my generation um, took hotel administration, uh, which included sport. And uh, we never saw ourselves limited to a certain community. We... We took ourselves extremely serious in terms of our education. Um, instead of being the quintessential hotel manager in the 50s and 60s, we got the degrees in hotel administration in our 20s. And we said, we're going to devote our entire life to service in hotels, restaurants, hospitals, airports, sport management. And we went, and we took it very seriously. So the way these great golfers practice and work and take nothing for granted now, neither did we. So we became very global. And as the great hotel companies became global, opportunities became global for young men and women. And we got to see the world, we got to see the regions. Now, I was very fortunate because I've always had um, friends uh, interspersed around the world, especially in the Middle East. Um, When I was uh, uh, running uh, uh, Sun City, where, from a golf point of view, we had the legendary Gary Player, still very dear to me, two 18-hole TPC golf courses. We played the Million Dollar Golf Challenge every year that was founded by Saul, the legendary Saul Kursner with Gary. Um, you know, I, I needed a sponsor for the Miss World pageants after Mandela got out of prison to change the image of South Africa post-apartheid. Well, Emirates, um, thanks to one of the world's great visionaries, uh, Sheikh Ahmed al-Maktoum, who you know well, um, he sponsored us in the early 90s. And uh, that led uh, to us getting a great um, indoctrination to the Emirates. It led to us going in 23, 24 years ago and building the raw mirage there that you know very well. Uh, thanks to uh, the, the, um, the uh, leadership and the vision of Sheikh Mohammed, uh, Al-Maktoum, and then the wonderful Nayem family, you know, Mohammed bin uh, Zayed, MBZ, as we call him, to our affectionate M- MBS, uh, or Muhammad bin Salman, our crown prince. Um, we got to do Atlantis there. So I had a lot of Saudi friends. Um, I came and studied Dedea 25 years ago. It wasn't in the condition, the beautiful condition, and it wasn't even UNESCO recognized as it is now, thanks to... Uh, the mayor, uh, the governor of Riyadh, now um, our beloved, Ma- his majesty, the king, King Salman. He restored the birthplace of the Saudi kingdom. So uh, it's been on my radar. Now, we, uh, King Abdullah uh, visited Sun City in South Africa. Uh, we're very well known to a, a number of Saudis. We've been blessed with great Saudi friends for over 30 years. But things changed when his majesty became king. And they further changed when he said, um, I'm going to put a young dynamic crown prince in because I believe very much in the future of the kingdom in the country, fueled by the fact that so much of the population is under 30. Mm. And now to have, you know, a nuclear powered uh, Tom Brady, uh, you know, as the crown prince who can throw the ball anywhere. I mean, the crown prince in a sport metaphor is one of those rare talents that could see the whole field and he could see all the yard lines. I mean, he's a, he's a fairly extraordinary talent that way. So um, when they gave me uh, the opportunity, when they called me and said, Jerry, you know, the kingdom, you know, us, you know, where our hearts are, you know, today, we would love if you would put this place on the map and make it one of the great gathering places in the world. I said, look at this point, Um, It would be my great honor to do so, and I've been CEO nearly three years now. And it has turned out to be uh, one of the great honors, if not the great honor of my career. So very, very blessed to have this position. Uh, We have a very big master plan. The first phase of today is 20 billion US dollars. There's a huge commitment to sport, huge commitment to golf that we can talk about. But uh, to work every day, with the crown prince the board on my board is the wonderful uh, minister of tourism his excellency ahmed al-khatib uh, the amazing minister of culture his highness prince badr top historian dr fahad samari top engineer ibrahim al-sultan the boss of the very prestigious very prolific royal commission for uh riyadh city now fahad rashid uh the former mayor and top urban planner um his Highness, Prince Abdelaziz, IF. so, you know, I'm surrounded by, you know, people that are heroes to me. And uh, that makes the job a lot of fun. In addition to the soon to be 900, you know, superstar Saudi uh, team that I get to work with every day.
0: Dorea gate, uh, Jerry. If you can, can can we paint a picture of it for those not familiar with it? Obviously, you've got the very historic Wadi Hanifa site, which which is an important component of it. But the, as you mentioned, there's so many different strands to this twenty billion dollar first phase development. Can can we get like an almost almost a bird's eye view of exactly? Yes, what this I mean, is if, look if, like? if
1: one were to go up to a hundred thousand feet in a minute or two, one could say that located in one of the most famous oasis in the world. As you said, the legendary Wadi Hanifa with thousands of years of history and certainly uh, very prolific documented history for the last thousand years. About 400 years ago, uh, people settled there. It was prolific in water and sustenance in the cool palm groves in the middle of Riyadh on the trade routes. So people said, well, let's rest here Let's recreate, let's relax, let's settle. And people enjoyed it. And what happened is that it it became the creation of the first Saudi state and the first capital. So the Wadi Anifa gave birth in in very basic materials of mud and palm fronds and straw and timber to what would become a mud city, a cultural historical site um, in the middle of what is now Riyadh like a ray of sunshine, Dedea became the birthplace of the kingdom and the birthplace of the Arabian peninsula and the house of Al Saud, which in its latest manifestation has been run by one family for nearly hundred over 120 years. So Dedea is the birthplace of the kingdom. It's the house of Al Saud. It's in its principal city, that is 7.2 million people with the crown prince just laying out a strategic vision to take it to one of the uh, most prolific cities in the world, uh, uh, you know, to 20 million people. Certainly a lot of that growth will happen by 2030. So because it's not a theme park, because it's the birthplace of the kingdom, we're prepared to take Riyadh to 25 million visits a year on the 100 million visits a year that we will attract by 2030 as part of Vision 2030. And tourism uh, will account for 10% of global GDP from its current uh, three plus percent. So uh, today is gonna play a major role. There's many, many sites around the kingdom. Obviously the beautiful Red Sea historic Jeddah, Alusa, Alasa, the beautiful um, Alula. Uh, we have five um, UNESCO World Heritage sites. So the kingdom, is ready we thanks to uh, his majesty and the crown prince we opened up the tourism in, in september of 2019 uh to 45 countries plus um uh, Maca- uh, macau and hong kong 49 countries we were doing unbelievably well at 55,000 visas a week getting great response and then but then we had a shutdown as you know in march of, of 20 because of the covid so in the bird's eye view today is the birthplace of the kingdom, the home of Al Saud, the birthplace uh, of what we now know as the extended Arabian Peninsula. And we're putting in this big concentric cultural historical master plan with 30 hotels, many layers of sport, including uh, 27-hole Greg Norman golf course and 18-hole, another uh, 18-hole golf course, and many, many different layers, performance arenas, uh, because sport counts very, very prominently into His Royal Highness's um, view of 2030, a healthy, entertained society is a happier society. And that's one of the key pillars of 2030 and we're we're a major brick in that wall.
0: Really interested to get your take on, on how perceptions have been changed, Jerry, in terms of tourism for the kingdom, because it's one thing to open up, Uh, It's another to alter people's perceptions of of the reality of Saudi Arabia. You and I know that it's a beautiful country and it's got incredible things to offer visitors. But a lot of people will have a preconceived notion that it it just isn't it's not somewhere that they would would necessarily want to go and visit. What work is being done to change that perception, to reeducate people?
1: Well, um, first of all, uh, this is right now. No one in the kingdom especially its leadership is naive and no one is, uh, no one is in denial to know that there are not negative forces out there or stereotypes or preconceived notions that have to be overcome. But we're very, very encouraged because we know at least two things. One is that as a country from a topography point of view, it is a staggeringly beautiful country, as you know. So, if the kingdom wasn't open for 90 years and no one got to visit, then you have very limited sources and those sources could perpetuate the fact that Saudi Arabia is only deserts and camels. And, you know, when you have snow up in the north in Tabuk, beautiful rivered valleys in Asir, the 45 uh, percent of the Red Sea, UNESCO World Heritage Sites, so a rich multi-hundred year a culture and heritage, great food, costuming, music, dance. So when we opened up the kingdom for the tourism with the visas in 2019, one of the things that was staggering, and this is the great thing about social media, Instagram posting, is that now you don't have to wait three or four years for that message to get out because people were posting in real time and everybody was saying, that's Saudi Arabia. Now, the other thing that the crown prince did which was brilliant was to upgrade uh, the Saudi Commission of, of you know Tourism and Heritage to a full ministry, and put His Excellency Ahmed Al khatib who put together a rock star group of people in um, the ministry, the Saudi Tourism Authority, the Saudi Investment uh, Initiatives, which are driving a lot of uh, micro entrepreneurialism and you know to promote it. So the second big thing was to get the images. And the Saudi tourism authority and the Saudi ministry have done a brilliant job on that as the ministry of culture have done. But most important, what we found out from the data when we opened up the kingdom is something that, you know, and something that I've known for 30 years, which is probably the, probably the, the one thing that's our greatest strength. And it was a pity that it wasn't well known around the world until now. And that is just how warm, hospitable, hospitable, welcoming and generous the Saudi people are so when people came here and they were treated so wonderfully they said we can't wait to come back because there's a lot of things to do so we're very confident about that because we know the kingdom is not one of these bucket list countries been there check it off the list and not go back we know people will come time and time again and all the all the research all the data everything points to that which makes us so thrilled because now we're putting billions and billions of dollars into the tourism infrastructure to ensure that when people come here, they have a, they have a big time.
0: How has the industry, Jerry, your peers, the, the, the kind of, the, the top bosses in the industry, how have they reacted to to what's going on in Saudi Arabia? Has it energized the, the global tourism industry to a degree?
1: Well, they're super, super psyched, but, and, um, and we, we were in September of uh, September of 2019, we were riding a huge wave. So, if you look at it, if you look at very authoritative uh, uh, global tourism bodies like the WTTC, and you look at the United Nations World Travel Organization, um, just in the course of a few months, September to March, before we had to uh, be careful and protect the society and put in very strict uh, COVID protocols. Um, those organizations had declared or designated Saudi as the fastest-growing tourism market per capita in the world. These are very encouraging things. So, in my uh, my fifty years, you know, I know I know all the CEOs of the airlines, and certainly I know all the CEOs of the major hotel companies. They're very excited, and even with the devastation a year later, almost a year later of the COVID. Now, we haven't, and today with 30 hotels, we haven't lost one management contract. Now, one has to be honest. And what happens is in the world of these CEOs right now, they're very bullish on Saudi, a lot of foreign investment coming into the kingdom, but a lot of CEOs now are hand-tied because in trends of tourism, if you have an earthquake, if you have a tsunami, if you have a, a very bad fire or something like that, you assess the damage, you rebuild and it may take your tourism infrastructure, six months, a year, mad cow disease, um, earthquake, you know, um, tsunami that, that that wiped out the beautiful beaches of Sri Lanka and Indonesia it may take you a year or two, but you rebuild. The problem with COVID is that a lot of these CEOs now, they don't know the end game on it. Now, we're all unbelievably encouraged with how fast uh this vaccination protocol is coming in and we're all very very happy about that now with all the governments including the kingdom are taking new measures uh just to make sure that we weigh in what these different variations of the COVID could be so we play it safe that it doesn't undo all the protocols that we put in especially over the last three months six months but i think it's going to take um Uh, the remainder of the year uh, to get the world vaccinated or a lot of the world vaccinated to get the herd immunity. But right now, my colleagues in uh, uh, the tourism community, travel agent community, WTTC, United Nations World Tourism Organization, all the great sport entities, the Olympics, FIFA. We just had uh, Gianni uh, Forentino in the kingdom. He was blown away by his visit last week, you know. So, so there's a lot of optimism of what's happening here in the kingdom.
0: Yeah, I mean it, the, the the strides that they've made in the last twelve months. It would be such a devastating impact caused by the pandemic, obviously. But you would you would even almost not notice the fact that it's happened because in the last twelve months, Golf Saudi have announced this incredible Aramco Ladies Series, which is going to go global. One million dollar purses. They brought the Ladies International event last year at the Royal Greens Golf Club. This is the third edition of the Saudi International. They're making headway in all the other pillars. Of their program. What about Dorea and the progress that has been made there in the last 12 months, Jerry, and how that's been affected by this ongoing pandemic?
1: Yeah, you see, we're, we're very, very lucky because, you know, I could cite so many people um, in terms of the people that work for the Crown Prince, but I will uh, I will just take five seconds and say that the Crown Prince is bold. He's a visionary and he knows where the society is going, certainly in the next 10 years to vision 2030 and beyond. You're very, very fortunate because you have his Royal Highness, Prince of Delaziz, our amazing um, uh, minister of um, sport. You know, he's an avid uh, athlete, a championship race car driver, very, very big on golf and very bold, young and bold. And then you got Yasser Rumion, His Excellency, who not only is the boss of Aramco, and Aramco's history with golf is 70 years old. I mean, you could see file footage, black and white file footage of the Aramco guys, you know, teaching people to, uh, to hit the golf balls on, on desert dunes. I mean, they've been around uh, golf a long time and they're big advocates. But with His Excellency Rumion. Um, You know, with golf Saudi and to make sure that uh, you have mass participation where people have access to golf uh, within one hour's drive and to encourage women as a form of sport, men as a sport, uh, children, those with disabilities to to come out and to build the infrastructure. And then the other thing with the crown prince, with his royal highness, Prince of Del and Yasser. These guys are very strict on uh, sustainability and environmental protection. And uh, that that's a big, big, big thing in, in Vision 2030. So to have those three great leaders on top of our two great leaders locally, meaning um, his excellency uh, Katib on tourism and Prince Badr on culture and an amazing board. The support we have for sport at Derea is incredible. Now, our great friend, one of the great legends, not just as a sportsman, Greg Norman, but Greg is always taking golf. Anybody that knows Greg knows that Greg has always said, I see golf ambassadorially, because golf is a proponent of goodwill. It brings people together. It promotes health and fitness. It promotes environment and sustainability and it promotes camaraderie, joy and festivity. So for us, to have Greg, thanks to His Excellency Al Rumian and Majid and all our great uh, colleagues, Greg came uh, on the inaugural uh, inaugural celebration of Golf Saudi. Uh, we were able to attract um, uh, Greg. He, we are under construction. We're we're, we're in great shape on um, a twenty-seven hole amazing golf course in the middle of the Wadi Spa, one of the Today Gate developments, central, you know, in Riyadh. Then we have an, another 18 hole golf course that um, will be announced. Well, we'll be announcing who will spirit head that up. But one of the great names in the, in, in the kingdom, uh, great names in the world of golf. So we're going to play a big role on that because we believe deeply what the Crown Prince says. If your society is fit, if they have a beautiful exterior environment where they can go out and recreate, parks, golf course, stadiums, if the the society is entertained and recreated, if the society remains true to its family values, which, which Saudi is known for, to its religious and community values, you're going to have a very healthy society for 2030. And the crown prince and all of his ministers are moving the kingdom very dynamically towards those goals. And we're following suit on that including a new 20,000-seat uh, sport arena uh, that will be de- dedicated to all different types of, uh, of sport. And anybody that knows Derea, not only are we golf, but uh, we have a 400-year a, a hist- a history with, with the Arabian horses. Uh, we're doing a lot with the equestrian side of the Olympics and with the Asian Games that we'll host in 2034. So w- we're very tied to sport.
0: Greg himself, he, he's got a portfolio, which is, is fantastic. It's, it's international. He's designed so many courses around the world that the course here in Dubai, uh, the DP world tour championship host venue that the finale of the European tour, Greg's earth course at Jumeirah golf estates. Has he spoken to you about his vision for his, his 27 hole layout at Dorea?
1: Yes, he has. Um, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very fortunate Robbie, because, uh, I consider Greg very, very dear to me. You know, I've, uh, I've been around You know, in the top 50 names of golf, I've been around pretty much all of them. Um, He's someone that I feel uh, very close to because he is not only a legend in the sport and a great champion for the sport, but he's always been devoted to using the sport to develop young people, to serve his community, to serve the countries and to be an ambassador. So he's, he's very, very dear to me. And all the great things you hear about Greg Norman, not only does he deserve it, but put an X on the end of that, okay? Now, um, his vision, because the Wadi Safar is a natural Wadi in the middle of Riyadh. It's an arid, uh, it's an arid um, environment. So we're not doing anything tricky or cute. We're restoring the Wadi to what it was. But of the 27 holes, 15 of them are plateaus. So the views are just breathtaking. Wow. And what he's going to do in the Wadi, but to restore the Wadi where the water will run naturally when it rains during the year and dry up when it doesn't. Um, wh- he's producing um, one of the most environmentally sustainable uh, most beautiful courses, but uh, what, Pubble, what Pebble Beach is to the ocean uh, on the West Coast of the United States, this is, this, I, I can't imagine looking at the drawings that there will be an arid wadi course more beautiful. And Greg has told me on many occasions that he thinks that this particular course will be his tour de force. Uh, the Crown Prince has approved uh, the, the design for the gulf clubhouse and the amenities around the clubhouse it is breathtaking and we can't wait um uh, sometime a little later on this year when we can issue the renderings to your good self and the press because the helicopter shots and when we do major tournaments pga tournaments or whatever his excellency al rumian wants to do there with greg and the other great golfers that are involved in us i mean the television shots and the gallery shots are just going to be breathtaking but oh. it, it, it's an amazing it's an amazing course and the other 18 hole course where it's located um and um it's it's in a valley where one of the finest resort hotel companies in the world uh, will be announcing it shortly overlooks this 18 hole course and the crown prince is unbelievably excited about it so um riyadh is going to have a very big presence uh in the global Um, international community golf, but it's meant really to get the Saudi society uh, fit and healthy and to expose, uh, you know, a million people uh, to the sport of golf that have never, um, you know, never participated in it before. So this is a big goal of golf Saudi and Majid and his amazing team, his excellency are well on the way to accomplishing those goals.
0: Can you give us just a semblance of the timeline as to when you expect Greg's first Eighteen-hole course to be to be completed, Jerry.
1: Yes, well, um, we're we're taking an assessment now. I'm very pleased to say that, um, you know, Greg in his surveying, uh, we've not only uh, assembled all the land, but uh, Greg has finished the initial um, uh, leveling and site preparation. Um, if you if anybody comes out there with us now, there are uh, it's not just the Wadi Spar, because that's a big development of beautiful, uh, large, uh, home estates. And, um, it's a, it's a master planned community, uh, that will have, um, animal, uh, animal reserve and, um, other breathtaking amenities, other sport amenities that we'll be announcing shortly, but we're well on our way. And, uh, that course will be completed, uh, very shortly. I think, um, uh, I, I can't imagine that it would take more than, um, uh, you know, two years to finish.
0: And the conversations that you're having with, with His Excellency about potentially events, because I know that, you know, Greg, Greg has a track record of, of designing courses that host events. We have the Saudi International over at the Royal Greens in, in Cake. But as more courses come online, I know there is a, a desire among the leadership there and among the leadership of Golf Saudi to have more international tournaments. Is that is that a conversation that's ongoing with Derea? Uh,
1: yes, And and, you know, obviously a lot of the conversations and you have a you have an extremely close relationship between Ministry of Sport. And, uh, you know, I know most ministers around the world, but you cannot have a more passionate person that loves sport more than uh, His Royal Highness Prince of Deleuzees. And he's he's one of these global personalities. I mean, uh, I'm sure he wouldn't like me saying this, but I'm going to say it anyway, because he's so internationally charismatic and charming and a great advocate for uh, Saudi Arabia, like the crown prince is, as Yasser is. So they've got big plans. And you think about how bold they were three years ago. You know, on February 25th, that night, uh, I'm leaving after I do this wonderful visit with you. I'm going on the track to inspect the track now with the Formula E team, um, you know, uh, what, what the kingdom is doing in motorsport and horses and, uh, you know, Asian games and hopefully one day with the Olympics. But um, there have been ongoing conversations about major, major commitment globally to golf, including major golf tournaments. Now, one has to see how we navigate out of, um, out of COVID, uh, n- everybody would say that you have to keep the society safe first. Um, these are very, very thoughtful, very educated, very sophisticated ministers that the Crown Prince has surrounded himself with. Uh, the kingdom has done what everybody would say, even following the G20, one of the most empathetic and compassionate outreaches with the COVID. Uh, we've covered everybody's expenses, whether they were here. Uh, registered or not, in terms of medical expense, tracing, uh, hospitalization, now with the vaccinations. So, I mean, we'll have to see how the year plays out. But um, His Excellency uh, Arumian is uh, an extremely sophisticated global executive. Uh, he, uh, it's what sport with Prince of Delaziz and the Crown Prince, are a very tight, um, uh, bold visionary. So, I, I, I know for a fact, because I, I participate in a number of these conversations, you're going to see great things as early as later this year and in 2022.
0: Cannot wait to see it all unfold. And, and Jerry, listen, I've got to say a massive thank you to you for sparing the time to no, join us on pleasure. this Power of the Game podcast. It, it's an honor to have you as a guest. And uh, No,
1: it's my great honor, Robbie. You, uh, yeah. you've been a, you know, your positivity, you and the team, you know, you're, you you bring uh, you bring such great passion, and to see uh, someone with your knowledge, uh, your positivity, your youth, there's nothing better. And and you know, uh, we love what you're doing. We're a big fan of you and the team. Congratulations, Golf Saudi has got a brilliant future. It's got an amazing leadership. The kingdom's got a great leadership. And I would just say to the two million people that listen to you, um, when the COVID is safe please come visit us you're going to have a big time you're going to enjoy yourself you're going to get a warm 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 saudi welcome and uh we just thank you and look forward to welcoming you to the kingdom and robbie look forward to seeing you as soon as we can
0: i cannot wait to see derea in person jerry thank yep. you so much for joining us i'll let you go i look forward to catching up with you very soon
1: me too only one Derea. all the best and only one only that's one it. Derea. that's what we say there Okay. Thank you, Jerry. All the best. A
0: massive thank you to Mr. Jerry Inzarillo for lending us his incredible insight into that 50 year career that he's had in the hospitality and tourism sector. I know that that's going to stand rare Gate in incredible stead as it moves forward. And we can't wait to see how that project develops over the course of the coming months and years. If you'd like to keep up with this podcast and all the news coming out of Gulf Saudi, you can subscribe. And follow Golf Saudi on golfsaudi.com or on social media at golf underscore Saudi on Twitter and Instagram as well. And do join us again for a future episode of the Power of the Game podcast.